Heavenly Father, we ask that it would grieve our hearts to know that your law is not obeyed by others and also by us. Lord, we ask that you would send your spirit this morning so that we may live rightly, that we may understand what your word has to say to each of us so that we can live according to your ways and so that your law is obeyed. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, this morning we continue our series in the book of Colossians and we've been looking at the commands that the Apostle Paul is giving the church in Colossae uh, from so many years ago. He's written this letter to the church that he'd probably never met, uh, but he was aware of through a friend who had had great ministry there and was aware of a great heresy that was dividing the church there, that people had come in and started to teach things that were false. And so the first part of the letter we saw, he was really making very clear that the Lord Jesus is God and that he is the one who pays for sins. We cannot pay for sins ourselves. It is he who has cancelled the debt that is against us because of our transgressions against the holy God. And then in chapter 3, after making clear that we're saved through Christ, we then see that the commands are given as to how the church in Colossae is to live and how we are to live today in light of the fact that Christ has saved us. And so we've been working our way through uh, Colossians chapter 3, looking at the different commands that are given to us there. And last week we looked at the fact that we're meant to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts from verse 15 and how we're meant to show forgiveness to others as a result of the forgiveness that we've received from Jesus himself. And this morning I wanted to focus on verse 16, where there's another imperative, there's another command that is given to us. What is that command that is given to us in verse 16? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. What are we meant to do? We're meant to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. Christ is, Christ's word is meant to be at home in us. And this word richly conveys the idea of abundance as well. It could even be translated that way. Let the word of Christ dwell abundantly within us. And what does it mean then that Christ's word should dwell in us abundantly and particularly amongst us as believers in Christ well, the text actually tells us as to what it looks like when the word of Christ dwells in you richly. Verse 16, it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. What does it mean to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly? Well, it means that we teach one another that there's positive instruction given to one another, that we have the word of Christ bubbling up within us and coming out as we teach one another. We tell people what is right doctrine. This is what you should believe. And we tell people this is what you should do. Know this and do that. That is what teaching is. You're teaching someone what they should be believing and how they should live. But it's not just teaching that is given to us as to how the word of Christ is meant to dwell in us richly. We also see that admonishment is meant to be given. Verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. Admonishing means correcting or rebuking. It has a negative undertone, whereas teaching, just generally speaking, has a more positive instruction. Yes, do this, believe this, whereas if you admonish someone, you're saying, don't believe that, 
which is what the Apostle Paul has been doing with the Colossian church, and, and don't follow after those who talk about wonderful revelations of angels and experiences that they have. Don't do that. Don't believe these things. That's what admonishing is. And so that's what we're meant to be doing as a church with one another. It's interesting how he says it there. He says, as you teach and admonish one another, not just yourself. You don't just teach yourself and admonish yourself. No, you're meant to be doing it for others as well. As a church, we come together and we have the word of Christ dwell in us abundantly, richly, by seeing teaching coming out of our mouths and admonishment coming out of our mouths as well to one another. And there's another thing that shows that the word of God is Christ, the word of Christ is dwelling in us richly. And that is in verse 16 too, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. The word of Christ dwelling richly amongst us involves singing. In fact, some people would actually punctuate this sentence that the singing is how the teaching and the admonishing is actually done. And we understand that that is the case, that singing has a profound effect upon people, that teaching and admonishing can come through singing as well. And it's not just with songs that you hear at church, it's across the board. We know that pop songs can have a profound influence upon people. And much of the cultural revolution that has happened in the last couple of decades can be attributed part in part to pop songs. As you listen to these pop lyrics, it is not neutral territory that is coming through that radio in the car or through your iPod or whatever other means. No, you're being taught and admonished about different things within your life. And it's the same with Christian songs. Christian songs can teach the word of God just as much as pop songs can teach us about the culture that we're in. And so we have to be very careful to make sure that the word of Christ is dwelling richly in us as we sing to one another. The word of Christ here, of course, uh, I've mentioned it before about teaching and admonishing one another. People uh, debate about what is meant by the word of Christ here. Uh, some people would say that it's just all of Christ's words and therefore, of course, the whole of Scripture. Some people think that it may be uh, Christ-specific sayings that may have been said and that are quoted to us in the gospel. Some people think it's just about Christ himself and the gospel message, that that is what is being here. It's the gospel message of Christ. I think we can generally take all of Christ's words uh, throughout the Bible, that the whole of the Bible is Christ's words. It is given to us uh, by the Holy Spirit, uh, through the Lord Jesus Christ, from God the Father. And so I think that we can see that the word of Christ dwells richly in us as we teach and admonish one another, the Bible, and also as we sing the scriptures as well. What sort of song should we be singing according to verse 16 then? says, as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Now, there's lots of debates as to what this verse is about and what sort of songs should be said, uh, sung. Some people think that uh, all three nouns that are used here, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, are a reference to the book of Psalms. Because sometimes the psalms are actually called hymns, and sometimes they're called songs, and so we should only sing psalms. Psalms is the, the book of Psalms in the Old Testament is the only uh, hymnal that we should have because it's the only inspired hymnal, hymnal by God. But others would say that what is being referred to here, of course, is the book of Psalms, but also other songs. 
And some other songs are even given in the New Testament from what we can tell. There are examples of songs, new songs being developed in the New Testament with Mary and Zachariah at the birth of Jesus Christ and uh, the birth of John the Baptist, that songs are sung. There's new songs that are quoted in the book of Revelation that are being sung in heaven. And different scholars look at Paul's writings and think that some of the writings of Paul are actually quotes of New Testament hymns, early church hymns. Uh, and one of the classic examples is from Philippians chapter 2. Uh, you can look it up this afternoon and most of your Bibles will have uh, part of Philippians chapter 2 uh, put in a poetry sort of form as a reflection of the fact that this is probably an early Christian hymn that the Apostle Paul is quoting. And it may even be that the word psalm can refer to some of these new songs that are being developed in the New Testament as well. In 1 Corinthians 14, verse 26, the Apostle Paul writes to the Corinthian church, when you come together, everyone has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Interestingly, in the original, uh, not in the NIV there where it's translated hymn, that's the word for psalm there. Everyone has a psalm. Now, maybe that someone has a psalm that they want to sing. I love Psalm 73. Can we sing that today? Uh, but it may be that it's actually a new song, that someone's come up with a new song uh, that is wanting to be sung in the Corinthian church, and the Apostle Paul is making allowance for that. So generally, it is the accepted conclusion, as you would see by most of the churches that you visit, that we should sing psalms and also new songs. But of course, the Apostle Paul wants us to have a few principles in place for these songs that we sing. What are the principles that we should have even here at Dremoyne Baptist as we seek to follow the instruction that's given there in verse 16 of to sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs? Well, one thing is, is that the word of Christ should dwell richly in every song that we sing. We can't just sing anything we like here at Dremoyne Baptist. We have to make sure that the word of Christ is in our songs, that they are scriptural, they are sound, which of course sweeps away a vast amount of material that has been written and is called Christian music. And that's why we are very careful at this church that I go through the songs that we sing and even if there is one error, one thing that I know is not in line with scripture, we sweep away the whole song. Although sometimes I just delete the verse that that's in and, uh, and so we can still sing the rest of the song. And interestingly, people don't even notice if you drop some verses out of songs. Uh, but I, I've, I've been aware of that because we've been singing one for years, which is quite popular. And no one's ever pointed out to the fact that we missed verse 3 uh, from the original. But that's what we do here at Des Moines Baptist. We make sure that the songs are scriptural, that they are scriptural and the word of Christ dwells in them. What else should we be doing with our songs? Well, they should be spirit-filled. It is interesting, the adjective that is given to the third noun there uh, in reference to singing in verse 16, it says that they are spiritual songs. Word and spirit go together. You can't have great teaching, great singing, without the word. The word of Christ is mentioned in the text, but also without the Holy Spirit. Our heart should be engaged when we sing along with the Holy Spirit. Our spirit should be engaged. And we see that even given into the t in the text. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. Our hearts are meant to be engaged. Our spirit is meant to be there with the spiritual song that we're singing from the Holy Spirit. And so we join in with the Holy Spirit in singing that song. And so that means that we've got to be very careful 
about getting focused on simply the tune or the instruments and not focused on the words. And we think that it's the Holy Spirit within us as we are singing, but it's actually that we just really like the tune or the instruments that are being played or the musician up the front. We've lost the focus then. We need to have a focus on the words, yes, but we need to also have a focus on our heart, that we're not just saying meaningless words, but we're actually thinking about what we sing as we sing. Also, we should make sure that our songs are to God. Yes, we are to sing to one another, as Ephesians' uh, parallel passage on this, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19 speaks about, but also we see in verse 16 that we sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in our hearts to God. We should be making sure that our songs are to God, that we're offering praise to him, that the focus isn't on us, but the focus is on God in our singing. So here at Des Moines Baptist, a few principles for us when it comes to singing. The word of Christ should be in our songs. They should be spirit-filled. Our spirits should be engaged with the Holy Spirit as we sing. They should be to God. And then I think another principle for us to take away from this verse is that we should probably sing more of the Psalms. I do have a favourite uh, preacher here in Sydney, and he actually is part of a church, a Presbyterian church, that only sings Psalms. Uh, there are some churches out there that are, that's part of their denomination understanding is they only sing psalms. It's always a good exercise for me to go and sing some psalms with them. And of course, I love this pastor's preaching. But he once pointed out the verse to me when singing came up, because of course, there is a big difference between us and his denomination. And he says, okay, Joel, even if a verse like Colossians 3.16 says psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, and the hymns and the spiritual songs are other songs... He said, do you sing psalms, though? Do you admit that when it says psalms there, that that's a reference to the Old Testament psalms? He says, do you sing psalms? And the answer is, we sing psalm. We had two this morning. One is more of a, a translation straight out of, of uh, Psalm 100. But then there's Psalm 96, which we did uh, sing. Well, we didn't sing it. I read it aloud, and you sang it into your hearts, hopefully, this morning. But when we are not in a pandemic, we do sing a paraphrase of Psalm 96 that is based on Psalm 96. So we do sing some psalms, but we should reflect on the fact that it is easy to sing other psalms as well, that we don't just need paraphrases or variations of psalms, that we can sing whole psalms, because some people have put out uh, what we call a psalter, and it's in English, and it's in metrical form so that you can easily sing it if you can match a tune that you know, like Amazing Grace, which is in common meter, to all the common meter psalms that are there in that Psalter. And so we actually at our church have been doing that at our prayer meetings when we were singing. We've started singing whole psalms out of the Psalter. And it's been an enjoyable experience that we can sing a whole psalm with a tune that we already know. And I would like, once we come out of the pandemic when we start singing again, that we actually start to, that as a, a regular practice, that we sing whole psalms that are set to meter in a Psalter so that we are indeed following the instruction, this imperative that is given to us to sing psalms. So we don't just focus on the hymns and spiritual songs all the time, that we actually do what the command is there in its entirety, which is to sing psalms as well. Now, I think at this point, I should also make a comment as to why we're not following the command during 
the pandemic. At the moment, we're not singing at all. It was part of me tempted to just skip over this verse and uh, move on to another passage of Scripture because it's a glaring thing that we're not, we're not singing this morning, and yet here in, this, in this, uh, the passage that we're looking at, we're told to sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So why aren't we singing? Well, we've, the elders agreed not to sing temporarily for people's safety. Just as we shut for safety a few, for a few months, uh, we agreed that it is probably best, given the advice from the government, that we don't sing for the safety of others. Now, you may say, but this is worship, don't we? We don't take cues from others. We, of course, take cues from the Bible. If the Bible says sing psalms, then we must sing psalms, and we must sing hymns, and we must sing spiritual songs. Well, there is, I think, some biblical precedence that we can, in times of trouble that we can overlook certain commands of worship. And an example of that in the Old Testament is where those who were infectious with leprosy or other skin diseases, what were they to do? They were to stay outside the camp. And they weren't told, you can come into the camp to worship and then you have to go back outside the camp. No, they were told to stay outside the camp for the safety of everyone. And so I think there's a case for us to say, look, we do what we can to worship, but in the interest of people's safety, for a time... For a time, we don't sing. Also, I think we're also meant to fulfil the command that we're meant to respect the governments that are in authority over us. Uh, in Romans 13, verse 1, we're told, everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. God has established the New South Wales government. God has established the federal government. And so we are meant to listen to them as people who've been established by God. And we're meant to show them respect. We're not to sling insults at the government all the time or curse them in our hearts. We're meant to show them respect. And if this is the advice that they've given, then we need to take that quite seriously because ultimately we have to see it as coming from God, as the one who has established those in authority. So there are the two reasons, main reasons, why we're not going to fulfil this command this morning, even though it's quite clear in the text that you're meant to sing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. But I would say that we can still fulfil the command in part. How? Well, you can sing in your hearts with gratitude as the songs are read aloud, and that's what I've been encouraging you to do. This morning we still have songs. We're reading them aloud, and hopefully you're able to benefit from that. And even I've had feedback from people that have said that once we started reading the songs in church, they've actually noticed the words in a way they hadn't noticed before, that it seems like the tune and the musicians had distracted them or, or just the familiar pattern of them they weren't listening to the words anymore. But once they hear the words read in a different way from when they're sung, they actually notice them better. And so there's a, a lifting up of the heart to the Lord in song, even without singing audibly with your mouth. Also, of course, you can fulfill this command in the home. You can sing around the house. The government's not telling you not to sing in the house. Uh, you can do so. And we at our house have actually started to sing more with the children, not just putting on Christian music in the background, which is so easy to do in this day and age, but we actually sing ourselves. And we memorise songs at family worship, and then we can sing them at other points in the day. We can sing them as we're in the car together. We can sing them as we pack the dishwasher together. That You can actually sing these songs, and it's easier than memorising scripture because they rhyme and they're very familiar to us, some of these songs. And so our children have been able to memorise all of how great thou art and we can actually sing it together as a family. And that's a fulfilment of this command, even though we may not be able to sing how great thou art at church at the moment. And of course, if we want to fulfil this command, then we should be praying for the restraint of COVID 
so that we can go back to singing. I pray a number of things about the COVID situation, and one of them is that we would be able to sing so that Christ's word may be sung here at Ramoyne Baptist again. So here we have this command, that we're meant to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly, as we teach and admonish and as we sing. So what does this look like? What does a dwelling look like? I've tried to come up with a bit of an illustration this morning for what it means that Christ's word dwelling with us would look like. Well, it's like living with an older brother. If we're very young and father is away, and going away for an, a lengthy period, we may be entrusted to a much older brother's care. Not a friend or a guardian, but a brother. And the idea of a brother and Jesus is not ashamed to call us brothers, as we learn in Hebrews. He's a permanent part of the home. That's what it means to dwell with someone. It doesn't mean that they're there one day and gone the next. It means that they live with you. They're permanently with you. And that's what it means to have Christ's word dwell with us. That the words of our older brother are there living in our homes. And what does it mean to, uh, that the word of God should dwell, the word of Christ should dwell with us richly? Well, it should be abundantly involved in our home. And we see an example of that given to us in Deuteronomy chapter 11, that passage that we had read before. What does it say in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 18? Fix these words of mine in your heart and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Very clear there that the word of God was meant to be abundantly a part of the lives of the Israelites. And it's the same for us today. It's meant to fill our whole lives as we're about, out walking. We're meant to be talking about the word of Christ. It's meant to be a big part of our lives. But sadly, we're often tempted to let Jesus dwell with us, but not abundantly, not richly. Some of us would prefer Jesus to be that older brother who lives in a closet and we let him out occasionally when we really need something from him. And if we do let him out, we'd prefer he didn't talk much. He can dwell in our house, but I'd rather he didn't talk. But the instruction here is that we need to let our older brother dwell richly with us here at Des Moines Baptist Church. We don't just have copies of the word of Christ available as you walk in or sitting on the pew next to you. No, he is meant to speak in our services and as we gather for fellowship. Our elder brother should be allowed to live richly in every aspect of our services. We should let our older brother Jesus give us words to speak to our father in prayer so that in essence we are joining with our older brother's prayers to our father together. We have the same father with the Lord Jesus and he is the one that helps us to know how to speak to our father and so that's why our prayers should be scripture-filled. And that's why we work at doing that. The elders of this church do that. We look at the scripture as to a stimulus as to how we are to pray so that the word of Christ is dwelling richly in our prayers. We should also let our older brother Jesus give us words to sing to our Heavenly Father, songs written by Jesus like the book of Psalms, but also songs using his words, where his words come in and are very much a part of our songs. When we sing scripture, the idea is of us joining in song 
with Jesus as our older brother sings. Our voice is just added in with him if we're singing scripture as he sings to the glory of our mutual father by the power of the Holy Spirit. What else should we be doing if the word of Christ is meant to dwell richly amongst us this morning? Well, we should be giving our older brother time to speak alone while we all listen. What's that? Bible reading. It's passe in some churches to have times of Bible reading. We should shorten the Bible reading down if we have it at all. But no, I think we should let Jesus have the opening word. I think we should also let Jesus have the closing word at our meetings. That's why we have an opening from the Psalms. We do like the Psalms. We use the Psalms a lot. I use them every week in the opening of the service, and I use them quite constantly in pastoral care. When I come around to people's homes, some people actually comment that you're always reading the Psalms. Are you going to read another part of the Bible? No, but uh, well, I do, depending on the context, uh, if there's a passage that I think is more relevant, but otherwise, just generally speaking, Psalms are great. We try to use Christ's words at the beginning. He has the opening speech before anybody else speaks, really. And he should have the closing word as we read a benediction from Scripture. And also, of course, in the middle of the service, he should have the, a speech. He should have a time where he can speak. And we all listen. And then if we're to let our older brother's words dwell richly with us at Des Moines Baptist Church, then we can have a time where someone explains our older brother's speech for us. Someone who has studied his words and understands them a bit better than the rest of us is like a middle child explaining to the younger children, the toddler, this is what our older brother has said about our father in heaven, and that's what I'm doing even now. I'm just one of the other kids. Hopefully, I've got a bit more knowledge about our older brother and what he has said, and I'm teaching you this morning so that you can understand. And hopefully, the Lord Jesus is watching on in love as I speak about his words and encourage his other brothers and sisters in Christ to follow his word. And then what else if the word of Christ is to dwell richly in us this morning and at all our services? Well, then after the service, there should be discussion of what our older brother has said with one another. There should be the case that lots of siblings are discussing what our older brother has said. The command is given to all of us here this morning, not just to the elders. It doesn't say to the elders amongst you, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing. No, it's to all of you. You're all meant to be teaching and admonishing one another. You're meant to be encouraging each other with the words of Christ. And sometimes you may disagree with a sibling's explanation. You may disagree with something I've said this morning. You may think that we should only sing psalms at Dremoyne Baptist Church, and you may think that that's what we need to do. Well, that's where you, you talk to the other siblings after the service, and then you go back to what the older brother has actually said. And his word is the end of the discussion, ultimately, for many of the things that we'll discuss after the service. That's what we should be doing. We should be talking together as siblings, and then going back to what did he really say? And so his word should be opened if it's dwelling richly amongst us after the service. So we're not so much interested in talking about the weather. We're not so much interested in talking about our work situations, what we do for a living, or what uh, we've been watching on the television this week, or what we've been doing with our weekend. We're more interested if we have the word of Christ dwelling richly amongst us to talk about his word after the service with each other. So that's what it means for Christ's word to dwell in us abundantly and richly.
is that his word should be heard in every aspect of our services together. His word is permanently amongst us. He dwells with us, but it's also richly with us in every part. Now, why should we want the word of Christ to dwell with us richly? Well, we don't smother ourselves in Christ's words to win brownie points and earn salvation. Teaching and admonishing and singing to one another doesn't earn you merit into heaven. Some people think that if they read the Bible and they teach the Bible even to others, that somehow they're a better person and therefore deserve heaven. That is not the case. Even if you sing like an angel, as people say that to you, oh, you sing like an angel, doesn't mean you are an angel and are going to heaven. Singing won't get you into heaven. You can't sing for an eternal supper in heaven. No, it doesn't earn you brownie points. Why do we let the word of God dwell in us richly? Because we love our older brother. We love Christ, and so we want to hear his words. We look up to Jesus as our older brother who knows far more about us than everything. We look up to Jesus as he's a good older brother and always knows what we should do in every situation and what we shouldn't do in every situation. When you feel lost and you don't know what to do, you remember, I've got an older brother who knows what I should do if I will only listen to his words. And we love Jesus because he's so strong and mighty and most importantly, because he has saved us. If you are a Christian, do you realise that you have an older brother who literally went through hell for you? How do you not want to listen to what he has to say, to let his word dwell richly with you? If he is so willing to help us, even to the point of paying the penalty that we deserve for our sins, taking the wrath of God upon his shoulders. So it shouldn't be a burden to fulfil this command, to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. It should be a joy. Townend's song says to the Lord Jesus, you are, you're my friend and you are my brother, even though you are a king. I love you more than any other, so much more than anything. And that should be true for all of us who call ourselves Christians this morning. The word of Christ should be a joy for us to hear because we love the speaker of that word. We love him more than anything. And so that means if you're not interested in Christ's words this morning, do you truly love Jesus? If you're not interested in reading his word, if you're not interested in being around people who speak his word to you, to teach you of it and to admonish you from it, are you actually saved? Are you actually a Christian? Imagine if you had no time for an older brother who had saved you from a house fire. He'd actually plunged back into the flaming house and picked you up in his arms as you were intoxicated by the smoke, passed out, and he brought you out. You had nothing to contribute in being rescued from that house fire. It was all of him. He brought you out. You were revived and then you wanted nothing to do with him. 
You didn't want to hear what he has to say about anything else? No, no, no. You may say thank you very much, but move on. You're reflecting on the fact that you don't know what had happened just then, that he saved you. And that is the case for you if you're not interested in the word of God. If you're not interested in the word of Christ, you have no understanding of what he has done for you. And I would say you haven't had the Lord Jesus rescue you from hell. If you have zero interest in the word of Christ, then you need to turn to Christ today. You need to come to him. Not reading his word to earn brownie points, not singing to earn brownie points, but just coming to him and asking him to rescue you from hell. Confessing your sins and trusting in him that at the cross he died in your place. And if you do that, then you will find that a love develops in your heart by the power of the Spirit for his word. And you want to hear it. You want to sing it with joy because of what Christ has done for you. And you go about your life now enjoying the fact that you have an older brother who never leaves you or forsakes you. Whatever situation you are in, he is right there. And he knows far better than you about what you should do or shouldn't do. And he has the power to save you in whatever situation you're in. And he loves you and always does right. You can enjoy that today if you will only come to Christ. Confess your sins and trust that he died for them so many years ago. Let's come to Jesus now. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, it is such a wonderful truth that we learn in Scripture that you are not ashamed to call us brothers. You are the one who speaks unlike the gods of the nations, and we have the word of Christ, the word of yourself in Scripture before us. Lord, we ask that you would forgive us for not dwelling with your word as we should, for not dwelling with it richly, for not allowing your word to penetrate to all aspects of our lives, and particularly here on Sunday mornings, that so often we can talk about frivolous matters rather than letting the word of Christ dwell in us richly. Lord, we ask that you would forgive us and then help us to let your word dwell richly in us as we teach and admonish and as we sing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in our hearts to our Heavenly Father. And we pray these things in your name. Amen.